Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 this morning. How to work in God's world. But take a minute before we get into the text. How did we get to this point? Chapter 11, that means there's 10 other chapters. And these are not individual proverbs. Solomon has them here to accomplish the point that he's making, uh, that we live in a sin-cursed world, but we can enjoy many of the things in this life if we fear the Lord, if we fear the Lord. The first six chapters that we looked at, we saw that there's nothing in this sin-cursed world that gives you an advantage in life. We have different experiences, and we have difficult experiences. That affects what we can do. It affects what we know. It can affect what we can enjoy. But yet we saw, despite the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world, you need to live a godly life. Then from chapter 6 to uh, here, we see that living... You need to live a godly life even though you can't figure out what God's doing. There's just a lot we don't know. We can't figure out what God's doing in the present right now. That was chapter 7 and 8. In chapter 9 to here, chapter 11, verse 6, we can't figure out what God is going to do in the future. Uh, We don't know. There's just a lot that we don't know. So we could have the response, well, if we don't know, why bother working? It's a sin-cursed world. We can't know all the ins and outs of what God is doing or has done or will do. It's impossible to make sense of. Polar bear in a snowstorm. What's the V word? Vanity, okay? And that's not meant in the sense of it's a waste of time. It's just, it's a frustrating mystery. We'll never get to the bottom of it. We can't figure it all out. Well, Solomon here shows us you must uh, you, you must work. And this is one of those, to use the Hebrew word, duh, moments in life. Of course we have to work. We want to eat. We want a roof over our head. We've got to work for a living. Here, God gives concrete instructions. Concrete instructions on how to work in his creation. You must live you must be a Christ-like worker. Applying this to us as Christians, you must be a Christ-like worker. Verses 1 and 2. You must be a Christ-like worker even though hard things happen. Verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Here Solomon tells us, number one, you must work diligently. You must work diligently. A simple reading of this proverb, cast your bread on the waters for you will find it after many days. A simple reading of this proverb, it doesn't really make much sense to us, does it? Why throw bread on water? Because what's going to happen to that bread? I mean, we think of our bread and we're going to throw it on the water and what's going to happen to it? It's going to soak up and it's going to dissipate and go away. Some have said, well, Hebrews, they, they, they had a special kind of bread that was more like a disc, and it could, it could float a lot longer. Wouldn't you want to eat that kind of a bread that's as hard as a Frisbee? That really doesn't help us either and understand that. How, how will waterlogged bread 
be in place and be in one piece after many days, as it says here. Another question, how can it return to us after many days? How's that going to happen? These things don't follow, do they? They don't make sense to us. That hopes to see, don't take this literally. God is not saying to all of us here, it is God's will for you to get a loaf of bread, go to Pima Tuning or Lake Erie, Mosquito Lake, and throw it in the water. That's God's will for you. That's not what he's saying at all. Uh, so we need to be careful. Don't press all the details. He's getting one thing across. And this is a proverb illustrating that doing something brings results. Doing something bring results. And so you need to be a diligent worker. Doing something brings results. You need to be a diligent worker. What is diligence? Diligence is steadiness. It's that keeping at it attitude. It's persistence. The opposite of diligence is laziness or being idle, I-D-L-E, or negligent. With almost all these, I'm going to give you some other passages to reference here. And here are two. Proverbs 12, 27, a favorite verse of mine, Proverbs 12, 27, diligence is a man's precious possession. It is a precious possession when you have diligence. And then Colossians 3, 22 to 24. Colossians 3, 22 to 24. Paul says to slaves, he says, slaves, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Slaves didn't choose that as their occupation. They were sold into that. And yet, if they're Christians, they have to please Christ by obeying their masters, ultimately, which master? Their heavenly master. So to be a Christ-like worker, you must persistently, persistently keep doing the right thing even though it seems like, from your perspective, nothing good is going to come from it. Keep doing the right thing. Even though, from your perspective, it seems like nothing good will come from it. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you'll find it after many days. Be diligent, work hard, even though it doesn't seem like there's going to be any real return. Do the right thing. Verse 2, which is connected to verse 1. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Here, Solomon says, you need to work wisely. Number 2. You need to work wisely. He says at the end of this verse, you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Well, this tells us you live in a sin-cursed world, and so there's always the possibility that there's going to be a disaster. 
There's going to be hard times. There's going to be problems. That's what's meant by this word in our Bibles. It's translated evil. It can mean that, but words have meaning in their what? Their context. Uh, The classic illustration I like to use is, I want you to run to the store. I'm going to run a marathon. Same word, but used in different contexts have different connotations, don't they? My mom says, Dan, I'm going to run to the store. I know that my 70, I think you're my 77, 76-year-old mom, she is not going to lace up her running shoes, run 20 miles to the nearest store. What's she going to do? She's going to hop in her Subaru. She's going to drive there. It's a figure of speech expressing, I'm going to travel there. Here, the word is the idea of difficult, problems, disaster, hard times. So, Christian, do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Do you know what's going to happen later today, for that matter? No, you don't. We don't know what's going to happen. And because of that, because you don't know that, now follow me here, okay? Because you don't know what's going to happen, that's knowledge that you have. Isn't that kind of weird to think about? I know that I don't know what's going to happen. That's true, though, isn't it? You know you don't know what's going to happen. So what's wisdom? Wisdom is the skillful and correct application of knowledge to your everyday life. So because I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I need to work wisely. And what he's saying here by working wisely is the things that you have spread it abroad, seven to eight. We have an expression, diversify your investments. We have another expression, don't put all your eggs into one basket. Because what would happen? You'll lose them all. Then, that one basket's destroyed, you lose all your eggs. Christian, God entrusts you with certain things, and you need to be a good steward of those things. And to be a good steward of those things, you need to be wise. And that wisdom comes from God. Some scripture Luke 12 21. Luke 12 21. This is a parable that Jesus gave of a rich fool who had lots of money and he put all his eggs, all the things that he had into one basket. And what was that one basket? Material things. He was rich in the things of this world. And then what happened? He died. And God said, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. And it says there in Luke 12, 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Ephesians 4, 28. Ephesians 4, 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good so he may have something to give to him who has need. And 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, 
that they may lay hold on eternal life. Everybody here has things. Some have more things than others, but everybody has things. Everybody has money. And you might say, I don't have enough. Well, guess who's going to say that? The rich people are going to say, I don't have enough money. Everybody's going to say that. God has entrusted to you a certain amount of money, clothing, material goods, and you need to be wise in your use of those. That's what Solomon is saying here in verse 2. Be wise in your use of these. Use them for God's purposes. Not just for one thing. Use them all for God's purposes. Be a Christ-like worker by working diligently and wisely. Verses 3 and 4, number 2. You need to be a Christ-like worker even though you don't know what will happen. Be a Christ-like worker even though you don't know what will happen. So, being a Christ-like worker, even though things that happen, verse 3, are, well, he says, if, flou- if clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls to the south of the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. Here he says, you need to be a Christ-like worker, even if things, number one, are outside your control. If they are outside your control. Now, we know the laws of nature. Those didn't get there all on their own. Who created those laws of nature? God did. He has baked those laws of nature into his creation. We cannot predict 100% of the time what's going to happen. Now, some of you guys who are really good with chainsaws, you might be able to say, I know if I cut it this way, it will fall that way. I can show you some YouTube videos of where these professionals are ready for the tree to fall and it falls on the house. More often than not, it will fall in that direction. But things happen, don't they? Things outside your control. And he gives us a couple examples here. First, if clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves in the earth. It is inevitable. That's the point with this one. It is inevitable that it's going to rain. You can't stop it from raining. Clouds get full of rain. What's going to happen? It's going to rain. It's inevitable. What about this tree falling to the south or north and where it falls there it will lie? Here he's showing us randomness, from our perspective at least, that things randomly happen. You don't know which way the tree is going to fall. There's nothing you can do about it. We need to remember this is a proverb. It's giving us a snapshot of truth. And it's not sitting here on its own. It's in a context of work. And so though things happen outside your control, things that you can't control, you must be a Christ-like worker. Though things happen outside your control, you must be a Christ-like worker. One of my great fears is my house burning up. And you might say, Hebrew word, duh, yeah. What would happen if the Greenfield's house burned up? Folks, I will lose my books. 
that will be a terrible tragedy. Now, y'all are laughing, but folks, they're what I use for messages and sermons. The computer will burn up. Thankfully, everything is saved in the cloud, right? And if the clouds are full, it's going to rain, as I said here. Trisha's thinking, you're worried about books? What about my decorations? What about our guns? What about, what about, what about? What if my house is burning right now? Could it be? Something in the future that I don't know about, that we just looked at. Sorry, folks, I'm going to have to resign as your pastor. I can't do my work anymore. A hard circumstance, isn't it? Seemingly random. Definitely outside my, my control. What do I need to do? Keep doing my work. And you need to do the same. When things happen outside your control, rely on God's grace, work hard, be a Christ-like worker. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Be a Christ-like worker even though you don't have, number two, perfect working conditions. Be a Christ-like worker even though you don't have perfect working conditions. Here we have a farmer. This farmer, in verse 4, he's waiting for just the right time to plant a seed. Just the right time to plant a seed. Or he's waiting for just the right circumstances to harvest his crops. Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never get anything done. Well, it's starting to get windy. And that might cause my seeds to blow away. Or, well, the clouds are forming. We have a harvest out there, but you know what? There's some clouds there. It might rain. Let's just wait. If you wait for perfect, perfect work, if you wait for perfect working conditions in this world that you can't control, you'll never get anything done. Don't fall victim to the paralysis of analysis where you keep analyzing it, analyzing it. Well, it's, it's just not right and we got to wait and just get this exactly right. It will never happen. I am thankful for one of our engineers here in our church who years ago gave his, uh, what, uh, a saying that they had uh, in their work. Along this line of don't fall victim to the paralysis of analysis. And you got to love it that our engineer said this. He said, sometimes you just need to shoot the engineer and ship it. <laughs> now that's self-deprecating, isn't it? That's really putting yourself down. Engineers are always wanting to get it just right. And wait, we, we get, hold on, we got more to do. And sometimes what do you need to do? Go take a vacation we're going to ship this thing. It's ready. It's working fine. Beware of making absolute judgments based on things outside your control. You can't do it. You cannot make a, an absolute perfect judgment about things that are outside your control. A couple of passages of scripture. Numbers chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. 
Numbers 13, verses 31 to 33. Moses had 12 spies go through the land of Canaan before they went into there, into there to, to spy out the land. And these spies, uh, 10 of them, brought back a bad report. Remember what that bad report was? The Canaanites are huge. They're massive. They're like giants to us. And we were like grasshoppers to them. It can't be done. We can't do it. The circumstances aren't right. Proverbs 22, verse 13. And back to the numbers there. Uh, what did God say? You're going in my strength. You're depending on me. I will smash them. But they didn't follow that. But Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Well, I don't know if we should do that. You know, there, this could happen out there, or that could be present. And there's always that fear situation there. The paralysis of what? Analysis. This isn't saying be foolish. It's not saying just jump at the, the first thing you think about. You do need to use your mind. You do need to be wise. But in the end, there's going to be things that you don't know about. What if this? What if that? Do your best. Trust whom? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Even though things will happen outside your control, and you'll never know if you will have perfect working conditions, you need to be a Christ-like worker. Verses 5 and 6. Be a Christ-like worker, even though you don't know God's plans. A Christ-like worker, even though you don't know God's plans. Verse 5. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Solomon tells us, number one, verse five, your knowledge is limited. Your knowledge is limited. Solomon's readers did not know the ultimate direction of wind. Aren't you glad we live in our enlightened age? Because we can just pull up on our app, our weather map, our, our, our phone, our weather app, we can see which way the wind blowing. Okay, let's go outside. Can you guarantee you know exactly which way the wind is going to blow in five minutes from now? No, you don't. You don't know that. You feel the effect of wind, but you cannot say this is what's going to happen. You can't do it. Your knowledge is limited. He also talks about bones growing in the womb of her who's with a child. Solomon's readers didn't know. How is a baby formed in a mother's womb? We see the results, don't we? Baby gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And let me tell you, when there's two in there, it gets really big. We see the result. But we don't know all the ins and outs, all the hows and whys. Solomon then says, So, you do not know the works of God who makes everything. If that's the case in creation, that your, your knowledge is limited about the things of creation, how much greater is your ignorance of the Creator? He who makes everything. If your knowledge of this created, created world is limited, your knowledge of the Creator is is really limited. 
But even though your knowledge is limited, you need to continue being a Christ-like worker. Knowledge is good, it's needful, but it's impossible for you to know everything. This is where you could also apply that little phrase, the paralysis of analysis. I just need to know more. You should know. You should make wise decisions. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to make the best decision you can and move forward. Then verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You don't know, number two, the best time. You don't know the best time. Morning and evening is a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech meaning all the time. Always be working. A New Testament parallel would be 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul says to Timothy and says to all pastors and preachers, preach the word, be instant, do you remember? In season and out of season. Instant in season, out of season. Morning and evening, all the time, do your duty and leave the results in God's hands. I wish I could take credit for that, but I got that from Stonewall Jackson, one of the great Confederate generals, and he didn't come up with it either. He got it from someone else. Do your duty, obey the Lord, and you got to leave the results in God's hands. Work constantly. Work diligently. Work prudently, remembering who's in control of everything. God is. It can be easy to think, I just don't know what God is going to do. And so you sit there on your hands. Mom had an expression about this for my brother and I. Don't sit there like a don't sit there like a bump on a log. Get up. Go do your chores and work. Always work hard. Always be a Christ-like worker. Some points of application on the back side of your sheet there. Ultimately, number one, good business practices come from God's wisdom. This is important to remember. If you like to read books on leadership, business practices and things of that nature, we need to remember good good business practices come from God's wisdom. He has made us in his image. And so the better you know and obey God's word, the better you will be in your work, in your business, or whatever the Lord has you doing. Yes, even if you're retired. Yes, even if you're a young person and not working yet. You still have responsibilities, don't you? The better you know and obey God's word, the more wisdom you'll have. Both of those are essential. The head knowledge and the obedience. If you just have head knowledge and you're not obeying, that's disobedience. And that's foolish. Never divide creation from the creator. Don't think, well, business is outside the realm of God. 
Would we ever say that with our mouths? Probably not. Could we live that way? Yeah, we could. Our financial cares and concerns, you know, that's, that's just something different outside the realm of Christ. Really? Really? No. We must listen to him. Follow his character, his commands. Number two, don't be petrified by life's uncertainties. There are some easy responses that you can have if you meditate on the uncertainties of life. And we do that, don't we? What could happen here? What could happen there? We meditate on that. What are some things that can happen? You can get confused. You're getting drilling down so deep in uncertainties that you just don't know which way to go. Another thing you can do is you can become complacent. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just kind of happy. It can result in fatalism. Well, case sera, sera. What will happen is what will happen. And, you know, we're just all going to die or whatever. It can result in sloth. I'm just not going to do anything. Life's uncertainties must be viewed from the perspective of the end of verse 5. God who makes everything. He is sovereign and he is bringing about his will. Never Never allow the I don't know. Never allow the I don't know to affect your obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. We looked this past Wednesday at Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What did he say there in that second word? Seek first. And before that, he had talked about clothing and food. And he said, don't, Worry and seek after those things. Seek what? First. My kingdom and my righteousness and all those things. What did he say? What did he promise? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And what did he promise? All these things I'll supply. I'll meet your needs. You must have priority number one, Christian. Obeying Jesus Christ. Trusting him. Whatever your hand finds to do, chapter 9, verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The uncertainties of life can have a paralyzing effect. But what if William Carey had focused on what he didn't know about India in the 17 and 1800s? You might not know about William Carey one of the first uh, missionaries of the modern missions movement. Or Adoniram Judson, who went to Burma. We are used to missionaries coming back every four or five years for this thing called furlough and reporting. Not so back then. You sailed there, and you stayed there for life. Forever. And they had no clue what was going to happen. I hesitate to use this illustration because I do not want to classify myself in the the same 
realm as uh, William Carrier, Edenite, and Judson, but what if the Greenfields had said 18 years ago, well, we just don't know what's going to happen in Orwell if we come there. I mean, there's only six or seven people. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's not prime church planning territory. Were there fears that we had? Yeah. I haven't talked about, the, about this a whole lot. I have some to some of you. But I'll just give you a little window on what was going on in the Greenfields' lives at that time. I had just finished my first pastorate for four and a half years, a little church in uh, East Michigan. And it was a struggle. We would take two steps forward and four steps back. It was a time of deep discouragement, depression. I honestly questioned whether I should be in the ministry or not. I'd go to my office and just cry. There was disunity, division. Uh, there were some good folks in that church. We got to the point where we had to make a decision, and the decision was made that it was just time to, to go. Well, I had some friends who knew of a small group of believers here in Northeast Ohio who wanted to start a church. Dan, you are perfect for that. Where's my self-confidence at that point? Zero. Nothing. Hey, I got a great idea. We have zero self-confidence. Let's go plant a church in the middle of nowhere with no money and just a few people. Sounds like a, a prime, you know, a, a good goal, a good thing to shoot for, right? Don't be petrified by life's uncertainties. Now, what has happened since then? Look around. Has that happened because of Dan and Trish? Uh-uh. Our, the promise that kept us going then is the promise that has built Christ's church, and that is Matthew 16, 18, I think, where Jesus said, I will build my church. Pray, give the word, be faithful. To him be the glory. But we didn't know that 18 years ago. We were scared to death. Number three, life in the womb is human life made in God's image. He says there, how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. That which grows in a mother's womb is not a thing. It is a child. It is a human being made in God's image. Number four, God's sovereign providence that we read here. You could also write down along this line, Psalm 148, 8. Psalm 148.8, where it says, Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Christian, God in his providence has adverse conditions and situations in your life. In his providence, he allows you to go through hard times that are not easy that are difficult. And God also has given commands you must obey. If you say, 
I can't obey those commands because of these hard circumstances, which, by the way, who allowed those hard circumstances to come into situation? God did. If you say you're unable to obey because of those hard circumstances, are you saying, God, it's your fault, I can't obey you? What do you think about that? Is God unreasonable? What did God say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God will help you. He will show you a way through it so that you will obey him. Or James 1, verses 2 and following. When you fall into difficult trials, not if, but when you fall into difficult trials, what should your emotional response be? Count it all joy. Why? Because through that difficult circumstance, as you faithfully trust the Lord and keep obeying him, he is going to make you more like Christ. Don't look at that difficult circumstance as Well, that's the reason I can't obey God. You have to say, God is allowing this to strengthen your spiritual muscles, as it were. To strengthen your faith. And you have to work through that, not depending on your own strength, but depending on the Lord. And then there's also Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Last, number five. It it is always time, number one, to work hard. It is always time to work hard. We have times for break. We have times for rest. But we must remember, God doesn't have you on the earth to gratify your sin nature. He has you here to work. Number two, it is always time to trust Christ. It is always time to trust Christ. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You don't know what's going to happen to you a half hour from now. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you haven't trusted in him, now is the time to do so. Not a half hour from now, but now. And number three, it is always time to do the Lord's work. It is always time to do the Lord's work. A passage you could write down from the Old Testament, Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 and following. Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 and following. Listen to what the prophet Haggai said. And this is after they had returned from Babylon. They were back in the promised land Uh, They had been there for some years. He says, this people says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. I'm sorry, the time has not come. That's what the people were saying. The time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. And the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider 
your ways. They were putting all kinds of effort, all kinds of energy, all kinds of resources into making their homes not only comfortable, but exquisite and nice. And at the same time, they were saying, it's not time yet to obey the Lord. It's not time yet to do the Lord's work. Isn't that easy to fall into? Isn't that something we all can fall into? It is always time to work hard. It's always time to trust the Lord. It's always time to do his work. Be a Christ-like 